Amen. The Lord loves when His people sing about Him. And I'm so glad this is a singing church. I love to sing. I love to hear God's people singing. Would you open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 22 this morning? We're going to conclude our series that we began the first Sunday of February on love. We talked about the love of God the first Sunday. The second Sunday we talked about married love and honoring marriage from God's perspective. Last Sunday we talked about uh, our love for God. And then this Sunday I want to talk about uh, the love that God has for us for one another. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, Well, the Bible says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. Fathers, we approach this passage. We acknowledge that it's quite familiar to us. But Lord, I pray that our familiarity with it would not cause us to overlook the significance of it. And Lord, that you would teach us afresh and anew from this passage by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that you would take my words and control them and control me under the power of your Holy Spirit because, Lord, I want them to hear from you and your, what you're saying. And, Lord, I pray that you'd give us all a heart and the hands and the feet and the mouth to obey what we hear you say to us today because, Lord, just hearing won't change a thing. Help us to truly love one another as you command us. In Jesus' name, for his sake, amen. Jesus said on these two commandments, loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as you love yourself, hang all the law and the prophets. The way another New Testament writer put it, he said, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. In fact, if you look back at the Ten Commandments, you'll see that the first four are about our relationship to God, us loving God. And the last six are about us relating to and loving one another. So truly, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. If we can, as God's people, get those two things down, loving God with all that we are, and loving our neighbor, loving one another as we love ourselves. Jesus made it very clear that, the, that there are two kinds of important relationships for human beings. One is a relationship between us and God, and then the others between us and one another. And that the way we treat each other is a reflection of what we think of Him. Think about that. The way you love your neighbor. The way you love one another. The way you love your husband or your wife or your children or your enemies even. Is a reflection of what we think of God. You know, in this world, love is growing colder. The Bible says that. Jesus said... In the last days, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Have you noticed that that is happening? That love is growing cold? That, that we're seeing more hate in this world? 
more divisiveness than we are unity and love? Because lawlessness is abounding. Well, what did Jesus say? On these two hang all the law. But when we cast out the law of God in our country, or in your home, or in your marriage, or in your workplace, when you cast out the law of God, what's going to naturally take place? Jesus says, love will go with it. Love will be cast right out with it. Listen, the world is telling us as a church, as the church, as the people of Jesus Christ, don't be so dogmatic about the law of God. Don't tell us what's right and what's wrong. Just, what are they telling us to do? Just love us. But listen, there's no love apart from the law. When you cast out the law, you have cast out love. Listen to Romans 1. In verse 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they're whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Which of those actions describe love? Any of them? None of them. They describe lawlessness and lovelessness. Lawlessness and lovelessness go hand in hand. And, and Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 3, I'm sorry, chapter 3 in verse 3, he said, In the last days... Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away. And that's what we're seeing in this world. The lawlessness has caused lovelessness. And if we're going to love one another, we must cling to God. The church is to stand in sharp contrast to this trend of lawlessness and lovelessness. We are to be a lesson of love to a watching world, and in so doing, attract them to Jesus. Jesus said that our love for one another would be that which sets us apart. He said so in John chapter 13, in verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says, they'll know we are Christians by our love. So, how do we really learn to love each other like Jesus commanded us to? Well, I want to share three things. You know that this could be a very long teaching if we talked about everything the Bible had to say about loving one another. There's so much in the scriptures about loving one another. So many one another passages in the Bible. I encourage you to study those on your own, but I tried to sum these things up in three truths this morning. First of all, God 
is the one who gives us the capacity or the grace to love, like Jesus tells us to. God gives us that capacity to love like Jesus tells us to. We can't do that on our own. We can't love our neighbor as ourself in our own strength, and our own will. We can't love God with all of our heart and our own power. It is God that gives us that capacity. He creates in us that desire. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. He's the inventor of love. He's the initiator of love. He's the source of love. He's the well of love. He's the reservoir of love. And you cannot love your brother, your sister. You cannot love your neighbor. You cannot love your enemy if you're not drawing from the reservoir. If you're not depending and you're not in connection with the source of love. It's impossible. Don't think that you're going to be able to love even the ones that you love the most. Like God tells us to, unless you're really connected to Christ. The lover, the source. You see, because apart from God, then all we have is affection. All we have is infatuation. All we have is a selfish uh, love, if you could call it that. In fact, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. We use the same word, love, for how we feel about our dog and how we feel about our wife. I'm sure you wives don't appreciate that very much. We, we use the same word to describe our feelings for uh, what we have for lunch today as we do our children. You know, what is really love? God is. You cannot love if you don't know God. And so, if you want to really love and be loved, you need to know God. And there may be some here today that don't know God. You don't have a personal relationship with the lover of your soul. Through Jesus Christ, the one who laid down his life on that wonderful cross that our choir sang about. The cross is the greatest demonstration of God's love for you. But he doesn't want it to be a one-way street. It's his grace. It's, as we sang, heaven reaching down. But he wants us to reach up and love him with all of our heart. And then when we receive him, the source of love, and we stay in connection with him, the well and reservoir of love, then he floods our hearts to be able to love one another. And listen, I don't, don't know why God put this on my heart. This is the third time I've said it this week to different audiences or different people. You look at each other, you look around, you say, yeah, but I'm so, they're so much different than me. How, how can I really love them when they're so vastly different than me? I want to remind you of something that we have a lot that's different. In fact, there's probably more things different about any two of us than we would have in common. And we tend to magnify those differences and we tend to love each other based upon what we have in common and, 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 we, 
And so when we find all these differences, we say, well, how can I really love that person? They don't live like I live. They don't act like I act. They don't, they don't look like I look. They, they're not on the same uh, economic status. They don't go to the same church. They don't even go to church. They don't even love God. How can I love that person? They're so different from me. But especially when you come into the body of Christ, believers in Jesus, we're still very different. You take any two of us, very different. You take your spouse, very different from you. But the things you have in common may be fewer, but they're more significant than the things that are different. What do we have in common? We have the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the Word of God. We have eternal life. We have the Holy Scriptures. We have a whole lot in common that's a whole lot more significant than we have different, even though the differences may be more. We have an eternal soul. That soul is loved by God. Those are things we have in common. Those are significant things. And so when he says love one another, we realize the source is from God. And when we are in connection with him, we are able to love. And that's the second thing. True love for others comes out of our relationship with God. Love for God and love for others. Anybody have a coin? I didn't bring any change. You got a coin, pull it out of your pocket. You got a coin. Just every, anybody, everybody, pull it out of your pocket. What do you notice about that coin? What's common about every coin in this room? It's got heads and it's got tails, right? Some of you are tricksters. Maybe you have a two-headed quarter. I don't know. Hey, you want to flip for it? <laughs> and, and you've already got them beat. But it has two sides. Listen, there's no such thing as a two-sided coin a two-headed coin when it comes to this issue of love. You see, some say on one side of the coin is, I love God. On this side of the coin is, I love God. as people I can't stand. <laughs> you got a double-headed coin, and you can't spend that anywhere. You can't buy groceries with that. Take a dollar bill. You've got a head on one side, and you got the something on the back. I forget what's on the back. What's on the back? We don't know. <laughs> but if you got George Washington on the front and George Washington on the back, it's what? Counterfeit and worthless. And that's the way some Christians are. I love God, I love God, I love God, I love God, but it's the people I can't stand. You see, love for God and love for others are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one. Listen, you cannot. It is absolutely impossible to have one and not the other. That's what the Bible says. You don't believe me. I know you do. But let's, let's make sure that I'm right. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. Chapter 3, verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. How can you tell the difference between a child of God and a child of Satan? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. You see, when you don't love your brother, when you don't love the people you're in connection with in the body of Christ, then you don't really love God. Chapter four, 3, verse 14, the Bible says... We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. 
He who does not love his brother abides in death. Chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. He's the reservoir. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. True love for others comes out of your connection, relationship with the author, the inventor, the initiator, the source, the well, the reservoir of love. That's how you're able to love one another and how you're able to love those that are unlovely, how you're able to love the unlovely and the enemy. In verse 20, he says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, you know what the Bible says about him, don't you? What is he? A liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Now, if we neglect to love our neighbor, in vain we profess our love for God. For by our love for God, the love of our neighbor is produced. And by loving your neighbor, your love for God is nourished. You want to love God more? Love your brother. You want to love your brother more? Love God. Our love to our brethren is as respect is as respect ourselves and our posterity not only the evidence but the measure of our love to Christ one author says this is a sure rule he that loves not a member of Christ loves not Christ what are we called as the church the body of Christ right now just Take your thumb, for example. Now, your thumb's not very attractive, is it? We could take your big toe. We know those are not very attractive. And you say, well, you know what? That, that big toe, just not, it's kind of ugly. You know, I, there are other parts of my body I like better. I like my nose, or I like my ears, or I like my eyes. But my big toe, I don't really love it. My thumb, just not that attractive. So I don't love that body. You, you know, you, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, so you don't love it, so what do you want to do? Well, let's just excommunicate it. Let's just cut it off. Well, try living without a thumb or a big toe. See how well you can pick things up and function. See how well you can walk. You, you can't do that very effectively. You know, we're members of the body of Christ, the Bible says. And, and to not love a member of the body is to not love the body that it belongs to. And the person that belongs to it, that's Jesus Christ. To not love a member of the body is to not love Christ. The more we realize our dependence upon God for this loving one another, the more we'll realize our kindred with our brethren. We are family. It was with a circle of men standing all around the circumference at a distance from each other. If each one of them takes a half a dozen steps toward the center, they will stand wondrously nearer each other. As we press toward Jesus in the midst of us, we draw closer to each other. The electric spark of love to Christ will combine the different elements of love into one. Cleaving to the one shepherd, the sheep become one flock held together not by the outward bonds of a fold, 
but by the sweet attraction that fastens us all to Him. The closer we draw to Christ, the closer we'll be to one another. You see, He's the reservoir. Our love for each other is, is dependent or is, is a part connected to our relationship with God. You draw closer to God, you're going to love your brother. Listen, if you have a problem loving somebody, this is where you need to look. How's your love relationship with God? And this brings us to the third thing. We learn to love others as we experience God's love for us. Because as I, yeah, I love the Lord. The more I want to love, the more I draw closer to God, the more I love Him. But maybe I'm, I'm looking over here and I still see that there's people who don't like me and I don't like them and, and they've wronged me and, and uh, they've, they're just unfriendly, just hard to love. They're like hugging a porcupine, you know? I just, they're difficult. They're, you know, not easy to love. But when we realize, as John, Jesus said in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. So who's the real porcupine when it comes to me and God? I'm the porcupine. God loved me when I was still his enemy. I was an enemy of the cross of Christ, but he yet died for me. He took the lashes upon his self that were meant for me. He took the nails that were meant for my hands and feet into his hands and feet. When as yet I was the very one driving them in. He took the crown of thorns that was meant to be wrapped around my brow. You see, I was the one. I was the porcupine in that relationship. I was the one that was an enemy of God. I was the one that was acting unloving and ungodly and, and unforgiving and all those things I read in Romans 1 and, and 2 Timothy 3. That was me. That was you. And that's how God loved us. He loved us when we were unworthy, unlovely. He did not wait for you to get worth loving. Because he would have still be waiting, right? God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's how he tells us to love one another. If you're waiting for that person to get perfect before you love them, you'll die with hatred in your heart. They'll never get perfect. They'll never measure up to your standards. Just as you never measured up to God's and never will. Yet he loves you. So you see, we learn to love others as we experience God's love for us. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. Go, go there. 1 Corinthians 13. Famous love chapter. Verse 8. I'm sorry, verse uh, 4. God suffers long. If God is love, let's just put his name there. God suffers long. God has been very patient with me. God is kind. God hasn't given me what I deserve. 
God does not envy. God is not proud. God is not puffed up. God does not behave rudely. God is not seeking his own. God is not provoked. God thinks no evil. God does not rejoice in iniquity. God rejoices in the truth. God bears all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things. God endures all things. God never fails. That's how God loved you and me. That's why he says to us in this chapter, this is how I want you to love each other. I want you to experience that kind of love from me so that you can give it away. Richard P. McBride in Christianity Today said this, If love is the soul of Christian existence, it must be at the heart of every other Christian virtue. Thus, for example, justice without love is legalism. Faith without love is ideology. Hope without love is self-centeredness. Forgiveness without love is self-abasement. Fortitude without love is recklessness. Generosity without love is extravagance. Care without love is mere duty. Fidelity without love is servitude. Every virtue is an expression of love. No virtue is really a virtue unless it is permeated or informed by love. Where did he get that from? The who speak tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I've become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Jerome, in his epistle to the Galatians, when he was writing about the fruits of the Spirit, he said, what deserves to hold the first place among the fruits of the Spirit, if not love? Without love, he says, all the virtues are not reckoned to be virtues. From love is born all that is good. We love others out of the overflow of God's love we've already experienced. How have you experienced God's love? Has he forgiven your sin? Have you asked him to? then you've experienced God's love. Another author wrote this. He says he read the testimony of an ironsmith who said he worked with iron because iron was so hard to bend into something beautiful. He said he wanted to make iron into poetry. We're like that with our sins. We're hard. We're rigid. And we don't bend easily. We're intractable, like dogs returning to our vomit. We go back and back and back again to the same old sins. But God loves us. And not because of anything within ourselves. There's no reason why He should love, love us. He loves us because He is love. And then He says... That's why he says, love one another as I have loved you. Martin Luther said, our Lord God must be a pious man to be able to love rascals. 
And then he said, I can't do it because I'm a rascal myself. We're all rascals. If you're looking for something in another person to love, love the God in them. Love the soul that God created. Love the things about them that you have in common that are of greater significance than the things that you have different. Love the Lord Jesus in them. And start treating them as you would treat Jesus. And you'll find how your heart begins to change. How love melts hardness and coldness. It's like the, the fire that, that melts the iron. Love does that for our hearts. You see, it's going to be hard for us to love others if we don't feel loved by God. And some of you, that's the case. You don't really feel loved by God. You feel God is your enemy. You feel God is against you. You feel like God is waiting to strike you down with the next wrong act. Oh, that's not God. That's the devil. And that he's the one planting those thoughts in your head. He's the one causing you to feel that way and to even find things that feed that thought. So that God grows into this big, giant ogre in your mind instead of a wonderful, loving father. How do you develop or how do you experience God's love? You've got to let him love you. You have to admit, yes, Lord, I'm a porcupine. I'm not much worth loving. But you acknowledge your sin to him. You see, when he was dying on the cross, those very ones that nailed him there, those very ones that plated that crown of thorns and jabbed it on his brow, those very ones that, that beat him, he cried from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You see, you're that person at the cross. You're the one that he was dying for. You're the one that he's loving still today. Even seated at the right hand of God, praying for you to experience the power of the love of God. Because so many Christians don't. They know here, but they don't experience it here and in their life. Oh, if you could just taste the love of God. And you see, it's hard to give what you don't feel. We're that way. We are emotional creatures. We need to feel things. And God created us as emotional creatures. But yet that is a shallow part of our lives. But yet God meets us many times right there. And so God wants you to know and to experience and feel His love. Another great way to experience this is spend time with God. Spend time in His Word. Listen, you will find in His Word, you will find Him. Read the Word of God. Oh, the Psalms are wonderful, wonderful expressions of God's love. They're like love letters or love songs that David wrote to God. And David was a real man that had real struggles and real sin. But if you'll spend time in God's Word, you'll get to know God. He'll start helping you to experience His love. And the more you experience His love, the more you'll be able to give it away. You see... God gives us the grace to love. Our love grows out of our relationship. Our love for others grows out of our relationship with God. And the more we experience the love of God in our own lives, 
the more we'll be able to love each other. And so when you find that person that you think is hard to love, look in the mirror. Maybe take your lipstick, ladies, or guys, take your dry erase marker and write on that mirror over your face how God loved you. He died for me. He forgave me of this bad sin. And write it. Maybe on a piece of paper. Jot it down. And remember, like we talked about last week, all the things God's forgiven you of. All the ways He's loved you. And look at that face while you're doing it. Because you see, He did that for you. He's doing that for you. Because He loves you. And then you'll, He'll fill that your heart with love and then you'll have you've, you've now become a reservoir you've now become a well God has used you is using you to hold a portion of his love that he keeps filling up it never runs dry the more you give it away the more he keeps filling it up it, it never runs dry it's like he told the woman at the well it's like a well of water springing up and that's what you can be to other people. That's what he wants you to be to other people. One evening, just before the great Broadway, music, Broadway musical star, Mary Martin was to go on stage in the Broadway play South Pacific, a note was handed to her. It was from Oscar Hammerstein, who at the moment was on his deathbed. The short note simply said, Dear Mary, a bell is not a bell unless it's rung. A song is not a song unless it's sung. Love in your heart is not put there to stay. Love isn't love until you give it away. After her performance that night, many people rushed backstage crying, Mary, what, what happened to you out there tonight? We never saw anything like that performance. Blinking back the tears, Mary then read them the note from Hammerstein. Then she said, Tonight, I gave my love away. Church, I love this church. You know why I love this church? Many reasons. But I love to watch the way you love each other. I love to hear the stories of how when you're hurting, this church family surrounds you. Keep that up. You do that because you truly love one another. And I believe you truly love the Lord. I want to urge you to keep doing that. To keep loving. To keep giving it away. And if you find someone in your life that is hard to love, remember, stay connected to the source, to the reservoir. And ask God to fill his heart with his love. Fill your heart with his love for that person. And don't keep it there. Because Jesus said, give it away. Love your enemies. How do he say love them? Do good to them. Pray for them. And bless them. Love. Give it away. So your assignment, America, <laughs> today, assignment church today is this. I'm not asking you to go home and love those that you already love, that are easy to love. 
I want you to pray about, even during this invitation time, who is that person that's hard for you to love? Who is that person that it's the porcupine in your life? You begin praying for that person. Even today. And you ask God to fill your heart with His love for that person. Notice I didn't say fill your heart with your love for them because you really don't love them. Be honest, you don't really love them. I confess that too about, I said that in Sunday school, I really have trouble loving a per- particular person in high leadership. <laughs> in fact, I've even found myself honestly hating that person. And so... I've been praying a lot lately. Lord, that's wrong. It doesn't belong in my heart. So you're going to have to put love in my heart for his soul. Not for his actions, but for his soul. So you think of that porcupine in your life. Ask God to fill your heart with his love and then give it away. Do good to him. Find out a way you could do good to that person. Find something you could do to bless them, to give your love away. And then you'll find, like Mary Martin did, that'll be the performance of your life. You'll find what a blessing it is to that person and to those who are watching, to those who are around you. It will be an amazement. A watching world will wonder, how can you love that person? And you will be able to testify it's only because of the love that God had for me. It's because of the love that God expressed to me in the person of Jesus Christ. I realized what he had done for me. And you're able to testify and point those people to Jesus Christ. You see, no greater love has any man than this than to lay down his life. And that kind of love is a witness and a testimony. They'll know we are Christians by our doctrine. They'll know we are Christians by our theology. They'll know we are Christians by our worship. They'll know we are Christians by our holiness. Well, what is it then? How will they know? Our love. When we're loving each other like this, again, the world will be beating down our doors. But let me ask you, church, is that the testimony of the church today? What's the testimony of the church today? Generally speaking, not this church, but generally speaking, sometimes it's been this church, but generally speaking, what's the testimony of the church today? You don't want to admit it, do you? Judgment fighting, division, backbiting, gossip. Why would a world want to come to that? They get that. They live with that in their homes. They work with that at their workplace. Why would they want to come here? Why would they be attracted to that? They wouldn't. They're not. They'll know we are Christians our love. Let's love one another freely, 
as Christ has loved us. And watch what a great testimony that will be. I really believe this church has a great testimony in this community. And what I hear as I go in this community, and what I hear other people who are not even members of this church saying, encourages my heart. Because this church does have that kind of witness. Let's keep it up. But remember, go this, during this invitation. Here's what I want every member of this church to be thinking of. I want you to think about that porcupine in your life. And you pray for them. You ask God to fill your heart with his love for them. And ask God to give you some ways you can show them love today. And if you're here this morning, you're not experiencing the love of God. Just draw close. Maybe you're not even saved. He wants you to give you, him your heart. Trust him as Lord and Savior. Would, would you bow with me this morning?